Welcome to the Linnaean Society of London. If you know the extension of the... Please wait a moment. My name's Dr. Jenna Crow-Riddell, and I'm currently based at La Trobe University in Melbourne. And my background is in evolutionary biology. I completed my PhD on the evolution of sensors in sea snakes. So a lot of my research has been focused primarily on sea snakes and their fascinating adaptations. The difference between a sea snake and a terrestrial snake, they're both snakes, but sea snakes live their entire lives at sea. So there's a lot of different species of snakes that do have forays into water or even live in freshwater systems like anacondas or water pythons. But sea snakes are different. They not have to come into land for anything. So they give birth to live young, um, which allows them to stay out at sea. They don't have to come back to land to lay eggs like a sea turtle might. They also have a, a whole suite of adaptations uh, to the marine environment. So they have these laterally compressed bodies, um, which help them swim underwater. They look kind of like a gymnast ribbon moving through the water, a compressed sort of paddle tail. They also can um, breathe through their skin. They take up a bit of oxygen through their skin. Uh, but they still have to return to the surface of the water to breathe and just like a whale might and that's because they're descended from land snakes. Turtle-headed sea snakes are found um, from as far north as Japan and then through the Philippines and Southeast Asia and then into the Indo-Pacific. So they're found in uh, New Caledonia and places like that which is east of Australia. There's also species on the west coast of Australia and on the east coast. So they're sort of um, distributed, but they're quite patchy. They, they're only around certain coral reef or um, benthic structures where they can find food. Though by benthic, I mean the bottom of the sea, like the sea floor. Um, and by structure, I mean something that uh, coral or seagrass can grow on and, and basically attract a community of animals. Land snakes, we know that they are able to detect each other over quite large distances, and that's using a specialized sense that we as humans don't really have. So they stick out their tongues, their forked tongues, and sort of wave it up and down and sample the air for odor molecules. They retract their tongue and they deposit it into an organ called the vermeronasal organ, also known as the Jacobson's organ. Uh, and it's quite a separate or distinct pathway from smell because snakes can also smell through their nostrils, just like we can. Um, and we think that it's specific for picking up pheromones, um, either from other snakes or even from prey. We still don't fully understand this sensory system, but that's the um, general idea. So snakes can pick up odor molecules that have been left by other snakes. And um, because their tongues are forked, it's kind of like stereo hearing. They can compare molecules from the right side of the fork to the left side of the fork and um, follow exactly where a female may have passed by. And so a lot of research has been done on garter snakes from Manitoba, which form these big mating balls after hibernation. They all emerge at once and they all have to uh, assort and find each other and all the males are scrambling to find the females. And they do that through tracking them through their scent. And odor molecules are distributed very differently in water compared to air. In an air-based environment like the land, odor molecules get sort of stuck on the ground and snakes can pick them up that way with their tongues. 
in the sea, as soon as uh, odor molecule has uh, been released, it gets taken up by currents, it diffuses. It's just the physical property of water. So it just becomes a lot more ephemeral. And we always wondered how, how a sea snake might be able to trap each other underwater. And uh, to make things more complicated, if they were to try to use vision, um, they appear to have very blurry vision, at least the turtle-headed sea snakes. And they've been known to, in the mating season, males have been known to chase after dark ropes or even people's flippers or even sea cucumbers uh, until they get closer and tongue flick and realize, oh, that's, that's not a mistake. So they have, they face a lot of challenges. And even once they do find a snake, how do they keep together? Um, because there's a buoyancy force underwater, which means you float away from each other. And, and the other thing is, is I've been in the water with turtle-headed sea snakes in the mating season, and they're very quick to, the males, you know, they might be chasing after a female, but if the female stops moving and he's not very close by, like if he has to rely on vision, he tends to circle around and often can't reconnect with her. And um, there's been some studies on this and they found that up to 60% of the time, that's how courtship will end. The males just lose track of the female. Snakes aren't usually thought of as very tactile animals, but actually snakes and almost all reptiles have this sort of dusting of touch receptors. Um, and in snakes, it appears to be concentrated on their face. So they look almost like freckles. There's thousands of them. And in some snakes, especially sea snakes, they look more like you know, pimples. They've become enlarged. So snakes do use touch and they probably use it through these, these touch receptors scattered over their head. Um, and some, something that I was wondering is how has this sense become modified as snakes move from land to sea? I think the distribution of touch receptors is really important um, for giving clues for what, what this sense is used for with snakes. Not all snakes, but, but a lot tend to have their touch receptors really concentrated on their head. If you think about it, snakes are these limbless, noodle animals moving through the world. And the first thing that they're gonna sense their world with is their head. We think it's because they'll be using it for their sort of high contact areas when they're moving through a substrate. But with sea snakes, I hypothesize that maybe they're using it um, more actively for um, searching out um, prey or predators. You know, if, an, if a fish swims through the water, their fin will create a ripple um, that you can sense from afar. So one thing I discovered was that uh, most species of sea snake have enlarged touch receptors um, and some have especially higher coverage. So more percentage of their scales are covered in touch receptors. And the, sec and the second most um, of all those snakes that has the most coverage of scale receptors was the turtle-headed sea snakes. A group of maybe a, a few species, all called turtle-headed sea snakes, and they're very unusual among sea snakes because um, unlike all the other sea snakes, they've sort of reduced their ability to produce venom. So they have these sort of tiny fangs that have kind of non-functional and, and, and atrophied, atrophied venom glands and the teeth have sort of withered away. And that's because they're specializing on fish eggs. So they cruise along the coral reef and then use the side of their mouth and the specialized scale that sort of become fused on the side of their head. So they kind of look like a turtle because of, you know, similar look to about them. And they just scrape away at the, the fish eggs. Um, so that's unusual because it means they end up sort of 
they've been likened more to like a, a cow that was browsing along and, and eating rather than a predator that's looking for its prey that most snakes in fact almost all snakes do so they're very unique snake after watching these snakes caught in the water for a long time it was really curious like the males seem to be actively searching for females they're, they're all during the winter mating season Whereas the females are sort of continuing as a normal behavior, they're foraging and just swimming along. And so when males do find a female, they tend to start prodding her with the tip of their snout. And so when you look at a museum specimen, the first thing I noticed was that the touch receptors on the head are much larger in the males than the females. Females still have them, but they're definitely enlarged in the males. And then when you look at the tip of the snout, they have this very strange modification where the snout sort of sharpens into a, a point, not a very sharp point, but just a sort of, um, spine, I guess. And that's what they're using to prod and poke at this female as they move through the water. And then I turned the uh, male specimen over and looked at the chin because I noticed in these videos of, um, of the courtship, he seemed to be laying laying it on top of her body as she was foraging or, or staying still uh, and then as soon as she moved he would quickly reorient it to her direction of movement and so he could keep up with her and what was interesting is on the bottom uh, the underside of the head or the chin was enlarged receptors well that's what, at least what they look like and then when i looked under you know, proper microscope i found that uh, yes actually they are you know, four times as large, but they are touch receptors under the chin. So we think there's specific receptors distributed over the body that have become enlarged in the males. And I'm hypothesizing that it's to keep up with females during courtship. Quite tragically, um, sea snakes appear to be disappearing. Um, so there's been recorded crashes in, in local populations from New Caledonia, but also from Ashmore Reef. And it used to be renowned for a hotspot, um, sea snake diversity hotspot in the world. And it's actually where most of the museum collections around the world, um, the sea snakes that are in there are from this location. It's because it harbored such a high diversity of sea snakes. So it's really historically important. And then um, to go there as a young biologist myself, expecting to see sea snakes and then nothing. And um, it became clear the emerging story was that they'd been sort of, their numbers had been dwindling for a few decades and they just sort of um, disappeared. So researchers, and now myself as well, after um, continuing research in sea snakes, been trying to understand what has been causing these declines and how we can prevent them in the future. And at the moment we have a lot of hypotheses, but not evidence for any one particular thing. But the fact of the matter is, is we just don't know enough about the factors that cause the decline or um, what can promote or conserve sea snakes in the future. So my personal belief is that we need more research in this area and we need more people to care because I think sea snakes get overlooked 